Welcome to the Brookwood Life of the Mind podcast. I'm Sherry Walsh, Assistant Head of School and Upper School English Teacher. Today I'm with Andrea Francois, the Lower School and Grade 6 Director. Hello. And David Bose, who teaches Brookwood's Theology Department and is also the College Counselor. Hi. Today we're going to talk a little bit about Shusaku Endo and his um, novel, Silence, which was also made into uh, a film. We're interested in um, the story itself, the characters, and um, kind of what it all means. Uh, Shusaku Endo was a Catholic novelist in the mid-20th century, um, compared somewhat by critics to Graham Greene. Um, Endo was a childhood convert to Catholicism. Uh, along with his mother, and lived for a while in Manchuria. He studied until World War II started, and then was enlisted to work in a munitions factory, where he was not seen to be able-bodied enough to be a good soldier. When he was a student in France after World War II, he got pleurisy, which affected his lungs. Uh, he read and wrote until 1959, uh, when he contracted severe tuberculosis and then was hospitalized for two years, undergoing surgeries and losing a lung. Um, he wrote Silence, which is considered his best book, in 1966, and it won many awards. Silence has a couple of movie adaptations, and we were brought to uh, we were brought to the book, which none of us read in school, um, by the 2016 Martin Scorsese movie with Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver. Uh, we're interested in the novel and the film for their discussion of suffering and martyrdom and the presence of Christ in the life of suffering people, as well as the role of Judas. For people who don't know the text, novel, and movie, the fundamental situation is the 17th century Portuguese missionary effort. Christianity had been brought to Southeast Asia in 1549 by Francis Xavier and sustained relatively successfully until a change of regime and a feeling that Christianity was beginning to pose a threat um, that led to the outlying of the Christian practice and expulsion of Christian missionaries. The figure of Ferreira is historical. He apostatized after being tortured, and the two missionaries who undertake to find out what happened to him, Rodriguez and Garpe, called Garupe in the movie, are based on historical figures as well. In the end, Garpe finds a way to end his own life honorably when faced with the suffering inflicted on the Japanese Christians. Rodriguez apostatizes rather than stand by and watch others suffer while he's threatened. Rodriguez feels Jesus has allowed him to apostatize and will accompany him as he betrays God. Thus, Rodriguez becomes in a way a figure of Peter's denial, um, or more darkly, of Judas. The more obvious Judas figure is Kichichiro. From the beginning, there's the problem of power because the Padres are always at a disadvantage and have to trust him. But they know um, both that he is weak and that they're obligated to love him as a person and a companion, even as he betrays them. There's an interesting play, Rodriguez as Christ and Cachichero as Judas, but then also Rodriguez is a kind of Judas to Christ. Um, there's the idea that God doesn't alleviate suffering, but accompanies us. Um, so from the beginning, then, there's the question of innocent suffering, which we find ourselves talking about on this podcast more than once in its few episodes. The, uh, the Japanese Christians, apparently understanding and taking care of themselves, um, they seem to be real Christians. Later, that's called into question. And they suffer because they stay Christian um, despite real adversity. Um, so what do you feel that the text has to say about innocent suffering? Andrea. Oh, um... I think it depends on who you're looking at in the text. So if you're looking at Rodriguez, he really does come to the conclusion that there that innocent suffering 
will allow you to justify any action there from there. Yeah, that makes that sense. That if there is an innocent person suffering, everything that you do to alleviate that suffering is what God wants you to do. Whether or not that's what you beforehand have believed that's what God wants you to do, or the vows that you took to the church say that's what God wants you to do. So he... I mean, he apostatizes at the end, but he apostatizes much earlier. As soon as he's really confronted with the villagers that he has come to love so much, and they ask him, what are we supposed to do? He says it just right out loud. He's like, trample on it. Let's go. Let's get it done. Right. And Garupe is looking at him like, what is going on, dude? You can't do that. Right. Um, right. And that early, that early trample, um, in the novel, he says that Jesus would have never given that answer. Um, and yeah. that, um, and so this, this idea that one should trample, like he realizes at the time that this is the wrong answer that he's giving. Yes. And, you know, he works himself throughout the whole thing to come to that being the correct answer, uh, which is the long fall that he goes through. I think if you're looking at some of the other characters, if you're looking at Garupe, he understands that people are suffering and he puts himself into that suffering, which ends his life. Mm -hmm. but he does what he can to be with them in that suffering. So I think that... Rodriguez does or Garpe does? Garpe does. Uh I mean, he really does. He plunges into the sea desperately trying to save those people. Right. And so I think that... And seeking to save them, not seeking to die? I... I think seeking to save them. Yeah, that, I mean, in, in the film, it looks like that die. for sure. Yeah, yeah, and that is so, the inevitable outcome. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you have so from one point of view, you have um, you have one idea that innocent suffering has to be alleviated, and that any um, sacrifice or any um, any compromise is acceptable it, to that end, and then the other idea of a more um, kind of full accompaniment. David, what do you say? Yeah, I think that's spot on. I would also add, I think it's not even just innocent suffering to be alleviated, but I think you see in that scene when he tells the Japanese Christians to trample um, his his pride come out. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, well, I'm not going to trample, but you peasants who have no, who cannot, you know, stand up to the Inquisitor, yeah. you better do this to avoid the suffering, but I can take it. Right. I can take whatever suffering they throw at me. But oh, that's you interesting. All, right, because it's, it's yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's like even, you can trample to avoid mm-hmm. any hardship, uh-huh. right? Um, but, and, and leave the really hard stuff to me, you know, is how oh, that came across to me. Like, yeah. that was the vibe I got, because, you know, yeah. But yeah, I think it's absolutely right. Like, in order for kind of the weak to avoid mm-hmm. suffering, mm-hmm. the weak can the the rule or the law or like loyalty to Christ doesn't apply to the weak almost in his mind. Yeah, yeah. Which you know. is the question that? Oh, I say his name wrong all the time. Chichichiro. Yeah. That's the question he continually poses: is mm-hmm. what are the weak to do in times of great crisis? Right. And that if he were in a time of peace and not persecution, that he would live his life as a perfectly good Christian. Right. And Rodriguez is not able to really give him any tools to move beyond that, to make him Mm -hmm. a stronger man. Right. As opposed to just, like, we are just going to, like, yeah, put it to the side for you. Is is that because um, Kichichiro reflects um, Rodriguez's own weakness? 
I think it's more what David's pointing out in that it's his pride. Like, mm. I think... So Rodriguez isn't capable of it because of his pride. Yes, and he's not able... I think he's in his pride. He's not capable of seeing his... That he and all of the other Christians are tied together. Yeah. He, he really seems to miss oh, the body yeah. of Christ, and mm. it's really evident in the movie the way they highlight it, mm-hmm. where he keeps saying... If we, these priests, die, the church in Japan dies. Well, right. it doesn't. Right, and it hasn't. Like, and when it hasn't. Like, right. when, he, when yeah. they arrive, yes. the, um, the church in Japan is is doing okay. Yeah. Um, and they actually the make people, it worse. Um, yeah. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's interesting, too. So it's about, then, the pride of Rodriguez. And certainly the novel bears that out in thinking about how um, how Rodriguez compares himself to Christ mm-hmm. as he goes through his um, his own... Um, passion, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have um, him seeing himself in that way, which um, we can understand as being prideful. And then we also understand that um, that Rodriguez is prideful in the way that um, the interpreter um, walks away from him early on and says, ah, he'll fall. He's, he's arrogant. He's the arrogant <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the other one. He knows what he's talking yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, he's seen yeah. it before. He knows what's <laughs> happening. Right. And so then there's the connection. So we talked a little bit about um, Rodriguez and Kichichiro, but there's also Rodriguez and um, Ferreira and how that um, sort of double works. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if Ferreira is in ways a kind of foil um, for... Uh, for Rodriguez, does it seem like a separate thing, or does it seem does it seem like it's um, it's the the weakness gets reflected that way as well, or do you see them as as distinct? I see them as mostly tied together, simply in the framing of how the story is set up. That their mission, I think, for Rodriguez is primarily to find out what has happened to Ferrera. They're right. so mm-hmm. he's so intent on my teacher, this man who brought me to the church. I need to know that he didn't betray the church. It's so he's tied so much of his faith into the personality of this other person. Right. And so by the time he has already fallen so far, he is he's just so susceptible to what Ferreira says to him at the right. end. Right. Which seems to justify, and then of course they they do echo each other. And when um, at, at the end, when you have Rodriguez in the cell uh, that had been the same cell that had been occupied mm-hmm. by Ferrera, and you have um, you know other ways that they kind of mirror each other as um, as you go through the um, and the end part. And certainly when they're both um, they're, they've both apostatized, and you have them looking at the different articles um, and determining whether they're Christian or non-Christian. I mean, they definitely mirror each other then. Um, and so, I don't know, I don't, that might not even be important. It's just... Well, I mean, I think it speaks a lot to how Rodriguez understands his faith. And he has followed, you know, this man has been so much a part of his formation in the church, and mm-hmm. then he follows him out of the church. Yeah. I mean, they seem... They seem so tied together in a way that's so different from from the very stark contrast with Garupe and Chichichiro. They're a little bit like John the Baptist and Christ, only in a, like, really inverted mm. way. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking more like father-son. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. You know, like, 
Ferreira is like you know the kind of like a father figure in a way to Rodriguez, and then you know Ferreira kind of like gives him like, hey man, this is the right thing to do. Just yeah. go ahead. Here's your out. Just step on <laughs> Jesus. Like it is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you have that. I I, I was thinking like yeah, like yeah. he's kind of you know. And you have it abstract um, in the beginning where they're sort mm-hmm. of they're horrified that he's apostatized, right. and uh, and then later it's concrete when it's actually difficult and um, and it's actually a temptation. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, him, you know, you have Ferreira kind of modeling what happens if you, you know, if you follow. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I don't know if Scorsese intended this, but there was a br- the brilliance in, I don't, I'm pretty sure it wasn't what he wanted, but um, Ferreira is on the left side of um, Rodriguez, tempting him. Like when he ah. comes to tempt him, he's on the left side of Rodriguez. Uh-huh. And then, like, as he goes from the left, he comes in front. And then it's face to face, and so it was. It's. I. I think it's something. I don't know. I mean, I hope someone intended it, and it's really brilliant because you see, right, the sinister side. Yeah. Right is the one that leads him. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a cool, you know, like there's some cool symbolism, maybe unintended, uh, going on there. Yeah. Where you have, you know, the temptation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Instead of like the clarity of discernment, it's like no, like this is coming from light. Interesting. I didn't notice that in watching it. But I think at that point I was just like, oh my gosh, everything is so terrible. I just don't want, I don't want yeah. this to keep happening. Right. That's right. a sad movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was looking at movie reviews as I was preparing mm-hmm. for this. And um, it made the, I mean, of course, the question is, I mean, is Rodriguez right to apostatize to alleviate the suffering of others? And David gets to talk about that. Um, in just a second, I'll stand back. Um, so before you answer, I do want to point out that one of the reviews I found, uh, written by a famous Jesuit, um, whom we will not name and who is not the Pope, um, he says that uh, Rodriguez is right to apostatize because Jesus tells him to. I wonder what your thoughts are about uh, Rodriguez's apostasy, and also like keeping in mind that like intelligent people disagree about this issue. Uh, and about the idea that uh, Rodriguez does something counterintuitive and unhelpful to the mission um, because Jesus asks him to. Um, I can think of a number of objections. Yeah, I actually think it's funny that a Jesuit says that because in St. Ignatius's Rules for Discernment of Spirits, he talks about the angel of light or the angel of darkness appearing as the angel of light. You know, and there's a rich <laughs> Christian tradition of like, you know, Satan tempting us as Christ, you know. Oh wow! Like hmm. Satan appearing to mystics and saints, but like coming as like appearing mm-hmm. as Christ. Well, um, that's not terrifying so, at all. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> so like, I just think it's kind of ironic that like, well, you know, there's another famous Jesuit, perhaps the most famous of Jesuits, <laughs> the founder of the Jesuit order, <laughs> who seems to give principles for not um, right, like for being critical. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's it's kind of yeah. I remember um. This guy, this uh, rec, uh, a seminary um, spiritual director, was giving a conference to a friend of mine. He's like, yeah, you know, like, some things you don't discern. Like, you know, if you're a priest and there's a beautiful woman, you don't need to discern if you should ask her on a date. The answer is you do not ask her on a date. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to make anything. Yeah. There are certain things you like, you know, if it is contrary to, you know, the law of God as he is revealed through his church and scripture, it is not the will of God to do it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
it doesn't it's, matter it's interesting who says so. How, I mean, Rodriguez um, keeps seeing that picture from his childhood, mm-hmm. right, um, as the face of Christ. And, of course, the novel talks a bit about the, um, the, um, the church's silence on what the face of Christ looks like uh, with the idea that um, there can be interpretation or there can be um, different ways of, of seeing. Um, and then you get that, that face... Um, and of course, in the film, there's a place where the face of, um, of, of Jesus is blurred with the face of Rodriguez in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have, and you have different reactions. Um, I mean, I, I, it, it, one does wonder the degree to which um, Rodriguez is generating this mm-hmm. uh, and the degree to which it's some kind of um, like Jesuit execution of the spiritual exercises. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting that without saying it, and it's I think it's really like very clear in that m- moment in the movie. I mean, Rodriguez has really put himself in the place of Christ, mm, yeah. and that is Ferrer's temptation to him. That's what it means very much. Is that you are they are suffering for you, and yeah. you are to alleviate yeah. their suffering. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty obvious not even like that it is Mm self-generating that where Rodriguez is like he's spent so much time crying out to hear something yeah and has been met with what he cannot hear Mm -hmm. and that when he finally hears something it I mean I think it's very obviously from himself yeah. yeah. Is that the trap? I mean, do you think that so first of all, this isn't historical. The um the, the setting up of the peasants to suffer for the priest is something that apparently did not happen much. Oh. Um and the they would just kill the priest. Uh, so the um Fair enough. So this um, gets so rid of your this, problem. This idea of um of killing the peasants um and um and having the priest apostatize mm-hmm. is um is not one that's um that's common and i wonder if like so as endo um constructs the novel i wonder to what degree like this is the trap and it's a story of hubris right that that we know that rodriguez has this flaw and um it's activated by the circumstances and so when you see in the film him you know riding into Jerusalem, uh, you see him, you know, when you see him like enacting different moments from the passion of Christ, there's this, um, I mean, there's a sense that, that maybe that's part of the trap, um, Mm -hmm. to, um, to play on his arrogance in order to, um, to get him to change or to get him to, I mean, if he's already changed, um, then to get him to sort of acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I think the movie, I mean, it, it's interesting because Scorsese wrote um, a foreword to Silence. Um, and it was around the time of like the Gospel of Judas and this kind of like pop, you know, popular theology uh, movement um, where like the idea was like Judas is actually the hero of the scriptures. Um, and he was like, you know, I think the Gospel of Judas says like Judas was told to betray Christ by Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Judas is actually like the real, like, you know, we, he should be celebrated kind of thing. And Scorsese's forward, mm. like Scorsese's interpretation of silence, and you can kind of see this in the, in the movie, is like he thinks Endo was saying Rodriguez did the right thing. He thinks like mm. Rodriguez is like, and of course, you know, like, it, like he thinks Rodriguez like was supposed to trample. But what's weird is 
the way he depicts Rodriguez in the movie, you would never think that's what he thinks. Because, right. you know, and it's, and especially with the voice of Christ, you know, allegedly Christ. Yeah. Talking, I mean, it creeped me out. It did not sound, you know. No, it's yeah. not comforting. It did not, you know, yeah. like, And, I mean, I don't know how much this bears on anything, but the voice actor who speaks for Christ is the priest they meet in Macau. In the very beginning. Oh. It's the same okay. actor. I don't know how intentional that is or like how yeah. important that is. Oh, that's interesting. But, I but he's like, the voice that, yeah. Yes, he's basically like the last voice of authority yeah. in the church that Rodriguez has heard. Right. And then. Oh, that's interesting. That, that sort of, I mean, again, that, that highlights the idea yeah. that it's generated by Rodriguez. I, like, I think that Scorsese might have like maybe not believed his own interpretation so much. <laughs> he might. Um, I want to read the passage from Scorsese. Silence is the story of a man who learns so painfully that God's love is more mysterious than he knows, that he leaves much more to the ways of men than we realize, and that he is always present, even in his silence. For me, this is Scorsese, it is the story of one who begins on the path of Christ and who ends replaying the role of Christianity's greatest villain, Judas. He almost literally follows in his footsteps. In so doing, he, be he comes to understand... The role of Judas. This is one of the most painful dilemmas in all of Christianity. What was Judas's role? What was expected of him by Christ? What is expected of him by us today? With the discovery of the Gospel of Judas, these questions have become even more pressing. Endo looks at the problem of Judas more directly than any other artist I know. He understood that in order for Christianity to live, to adapt itself to other cultures and historical moments, it needs not just the figure of Christ, but the figure of Judas as well. Well, I think you can admit, like, as a Christian, that the Christian story has Judas yeah. without asserting that God needed Judas, mm -hmm. which I think is a really fine distinction that he's kind mm -hmm. of blurring a little bit there. Yeah. As being yeah. a movie director and not a theologian, not a theologian over here either. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think, I think that's a spot on. And yeah, I mean, well, the Gospel of Judas is a Gnostic text um, that was, has never been accepted by the church as canonical is it um, actually like a text like yeah, I, I believe so Dead I believe so. Scroll type thing? No, yeah so the Gnostics I mean they were like the, the most ancient heresy in the church and they did write I mean the Gospel of Thomas is a famous one the Gospel of Mary Magdalene is a famous one um, I think the Gospel of Judas is, is a famous one um, I believe they're all Gnostic Gospels um, and so Irenaeus of Lyon who was the student of I believe Ignatius or Polycarp who were both disciples of St. John the Beloved um, is kind of like our first kind of he's like these are the gospels and these are the only legitimate gospels and you know people say like the church just kind of like power structure ignored the gospel of Judas which is really legitimate but here we have a guy you know who knew the the beloved apostle who's telling us, no, the, these are the books. Like, everyone else saying books are, these are legit, not true. And the Gospel of Thomas, I always get on a huge rant because, like, it's kind of funny. The Gospel of Thomas, you know who didn't bring the Gospel of Thomas with him when he evangelized India? St. Thomas. Oh, <laughs> 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 huh, weird. So, like, and I think, yeah, I think Andrew is completely right. Like, God can bring good out of evil, but that doesn't mean God actively wills evil. You know, like Christ wanted Judas not to betray him. Judas rejected Christ's offer and did betray him. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, which I mean is, and I think 
maybe what Scorsese is saying in like the first part of what he's talking about, like that is something we do have to struggle with as Christians. Like we have to understand that in like the real moments of temptation or even just weakness, only Mary was without sin. Like, we have all had something akin to to that dilemma. It's part of our lives, and it's part of our story. Mm-hmm. And to then turn that into the justification for our sinfulness is mm-hmm. that, right. like, that's what traps us out of God's love. Mm-hmm. Like, recognizing that we have a lack, and, I mean, Rodriguez never asks or maybe I'm not remembering correctly, he doesn't really ever ask Christ to alleviate their suffering. Mm, he yeah. really says, like, how can I mm. alleviate their suffering? Mm. Um, I can't really remember an instance where he's he's so upset that Christ is not speaking to him, and he's so upset that people are suffering, but he doesn't really say, like, how however you're going to fix this situation, you do it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right, there isn't a not my will. Yeah, there isn't that gesture isn't there. I think I think there is a um, alleviate their suffering, but that's Mm -hmm. that's also not that's not the same as it's um, it's it's this is not mine to carry Mm -hmm. out um, in in this way. Um, He doesn't subordinate himself to Christ. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and he, I mean, he also places like the alleviation of suffering as like the purpose for why Christ came in a sense. You know, like. Um, maybe not completely, but there is a sense, like, when Christ came to earth, I mean, he did alleviate suffering of people. Like, he did, you know, heal the sick. He did, you know, you know, um, work miracles. But he also suffered and died. <laughs> like, like right. you know, his main mission, right? And even all the miracles that he did, all the alleviation of suffering that he did, like, all of that was subordinated to mm-hmm. the reason why he came, which was you know, to save us from our sinfulness, to, mm-hmm. you know, to save us from our personal sin so we could be with him for eternity. Like, he, you know, even all the healings are, like, you know, meant to point towards, you know, he came to restore the fullness of human life. Mm-hmm. The, fo- the major focus of that, you know, is our sin, and some suffering, right, will remain with us until heaven. And, you know, suffering, and he came to share our suffering more than alleviate our suffering. Right, and that is something that the novel gets back to okay. that um, that um, that suffering is not alleviated, but Jesus accompanies us, mm-hmm. and that idea of um, of you know it's it's not it's it's not that God is absent, it's um, that I mean it's that there is accompaniment. I want to ask a little bit. Are we ready to do a different topic slightly? Sure. I want to ask a little bit about the um, the depiction of the Japanese peasants as um, earnest Christians uh, or as people not capable of fully embracing Christianity. There's the um, there's the scene with um, the Inquisitor and Rodriguez talking about that, and then there's the scene with Ferreira and Rodriguez talking about that. That the Japanese, because of their culture. Um, aren't able to conceptualize um, Christianity in fullness. And so what they have adopted is a kind of um, real, um, 
I mean, I was going to say something about um, like a syncretic kind of um, Christianity, but not even that, uh, that it's kind of a false Christianity that takes on some of the names. Um, I don't know. This, the, they seem pretty Christian to me. Me too. I mean, I... Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, um, you know the, the church teaches, right, that the, the virtue of faith is, this, is in a sense the same, you know, from the most learned theologian to, like, your young second grader preparing for First Holy Communion. You know, like, the faith is the same, even if, you know, whether you have, like, this incredible depth of learning and you can, like, explain, you know, all the theological counsels and, you know, definitions and all that stuff. Or you just, you know, are told God, like, Jesus is God. You know, it's like we believe not because of any, like, special thing on our part, but because of, you know, God has given us this gift to trust him and to say what you say is true. And I think, you know, it seems to me the Japanese Christians trust God and trust Mm -hmm. what he says is true. You know, and they might not, like, know the finer points of theology, but, you know, to say they're not real Christians, I think, is, is like, not okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I think so much is, especially from the Inquisitor side, is tied up in their class, in their class and in their more political situation. I think he seems so worried, not that they're going to be real Christians and not Buddhists, but that they're not going to be real peasants anymore. Ah. that they now have a vision of a world and the way they talk about it is very materialistic there right. will not be taxes yeah everyone will have enough to eat the it's very tied their understanding is very tied to their material existence mm-hmm. which to me is not a problem like mm-hmm. that's their basis for understanding a, a different right afterlife than the current mm-hmm. life they live right I mean their their suffering is material Yes. And so the um, the alleviation of that suffering in the afterlife um, is is material. Yes. And it seems that the political authorities are, they seem very threatened that right. they will maybe still be peasants materially, but they will not be the downtrodden. Right. Mm-hmm. That this is, that seems so insistent to them that mm-hmm. to, that Christianity must be pulled up by the roots to keep the political status quo. Because mm-hmm. if the peasants are, you know, not so peasanty anymore, <laughs> then maybe things are going to change. Right. I don't know. Right. I mean, I thought it was more about the foot... I mean, I think it, maybe it can be a both and, but um, I thought it was very much about, the, uh, about colonialism mm-hmm. and about the Japanese fear. I mean, you have um, the Inquisitor talking about um, the, the four concubines mm-hmm. Um, who are, you know, Holland, England, Spain, and Portugal, and um, how the, you know, the, the proper response of Japan is to shake them all off and to live a virtuous life. Um, and, of course, Rodriguez's answer is, well, um, he could take one of the women, and not Portugal, but Christianity, um, as a as a way of um, living a virtuous life, but the um, but it, it's that that whole scene um, seemed to posit what's happening in terms of colonialism, um, which I suppose is tied up in the same thing. But um, but that the problem of uh, the the political leaders wanting to shake off the foreign influences 
and that that's indeed, of course, what happens. That um, that there's this period of isolation in Japan. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. They seem like they seem like very real Christians to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, I mean, I think Garupe fi- finds them to be very real Christians. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, he. It's funny in the movie. There's that scene where they're baptizing the baby, and the mother's talking about what heaven is going to be like. Right. And Garupe starts to correct her. He's to like correct her theology. And Rodriguez just says, no, like, what are you doing? That's not what's important here. Mm -hmm. And it looks like it's being set up to show like someone who can be with the people of Christ, like with the real Christians. Mm -hmm. And then someone who's going to be outside of it, trying to like impose Mm. more like order mm-hmm. and intellectualism on it and it ends up being completely reversed right that rodriguez can't really love them he can't be with them mm-hmm. as the actual body of christ mm-hmm. and garupe really can mm-hmm. yeah well it's, yeah it's like the difference you could say is like rodriguez doesn't think they can learn yeah whereas garupe is like oh I will teach them. <laughs> you'll, you, yes. you'll, you'll get this. Like. Yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly what heaven is. We're going to do a little bit. <laughs> yeah. he, does, he just, he, like, I think that he shows so much more, like, how, how united the body of Christ really is. Right. Now, I think that's a critical point. It's one I hadn't fully thought of. I'm kind of embarrassed. Um, that, um, that, you know, that Rodriguez, um, is always setting himself apart and that the, the correct answer is for him to, um, to really, to, for himself to, to be with them and to see him, to identify with them in ways, in a way that we see Garupe doing. Yeah. Um, there's the business about, um, how Japan is not suitable for Christianity, uh, that we get from the Inquisitor. And that seems like a little bit of East and West and also a little bit about like, you know, again, the same question about whether the Japanese are, are actually Christians, but, um, but that idea that, um, that Japan is not a place where Christianity can thrive. And of course, Rodriguez's answer is that, um, it, it did. It was doing fine, thank you, until you came and started the persecutions. I mean, I don't know if that's if that's an idea worth talking about or not. Well, I think that highlights a lot of a lot of his hubris, mm-hmm. and they don't talk about it so much in the movie. Um, but he talks a lot in the book about thinking about Francis Xavier, and he projects onto Francis Xavier's. Uh, mission this ease Hmm. that Francis Xavier came and just all you know Hmm. all of Japan flocked to him and they built these beautiful churches and he really visualizes it as very not just like easy but like really glorified Mm -hmm. and what he comes to find are these peasants in persecution and hunger and heat and all of these difficulties um, and I, I think that it's really trying to show that the reality of missionary work has nothing to do with your vision of missionary work. Mm-hmm. And you think that's what the it, flies are about? The heat and the flies? I think so. Like, yeah. and that's, you know, he's, he plunges into a purgatory and instead of going up, he goes down. <laughs> right. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. And it is a purgatory. He thought it was going to be a heaven. Right. And 
Right. Well, he thought that, I mean, he couldn't understand what had happened to Ferreira. Mm -hmm. uh, he wanted to go find out what had happened, um, thinking that he himself would never be susceptible to whatever it is. Uh, and then goes off to um, to find out, and um, and instead finds this this greater difficulty of um, heat and flies and the sea and all. Nothing like things. a little dysentery to really oh. deter your missionary work. Getting back to some of the main questions that we've been talking about, um, I think it's probably important for us to talk a little bit about um, Rodriguez and his um, apostasy and his own feeling that he apostatizes because Jesus tells him to. Um, I wonder if, David, you have any thoughts about that issue, um, especially since we have people who have worked as consultants on the film um, suggesting that it's, that it's the right thing to do. Yeah, so I, I think like, you know, there's the, there was a theme in moral theology that you could do an external act, um, but like not intend it, or is sometimes how people phrase it. Um, which doesn't really make sense because, you know, um, he's committing an act of the will, right? Um, and he is making a public declaration um, against uh, the Catholic faith. And then um, the church does, uh, gives you leeway if you're under duress and you commit an act of heresy or apostasy. Um, but, you know, because the church understands, you know, like your will is weakened or, you know, you might be like, you know, forced. Um, but then, um, when, like, I'm not, I'm not saying the church says, go ahead and do it if you're under these situations, but what the church, like, the church understands, like, the complexities of human action and, and the complexities of situations. Um, but that, you know, at least in the film, I believe in the book, he is, he has to, like, go out when no one's suffering, no one's under any pain, and he has to repeatedly trample, he has to, like, continue to prove uh, his apostasy. Right, so later, yeah. later. Because that was my yeah. question, it's like, what, so what should he have done? Yeah. Um, in I mean, when he when the peasants are being you know well, killed around him, he should have not apostatized for sure. Um, the ends do not justify the means. Um, that's straight out of one of Saint I believe Saint Paul's letter to the Romans. But also, it's just um, you cannot will uh, an evil like you cannot will um, an evil like uh, a good effect without willing the means you achieve it. So if you choose to do something bad, like that is also an act of the will. You have like chosen deliberately to do that which is bad. Mm -hmm. And so to publicly act uh, in contradiction to the faith, mm -hmm. um, like that's the issue, is that this is a public renunciation um, of his belief in Christ. Uh, that, like, th and that's the issue. And it, I think actually brilliantly in the film, um, when he steps on the, faith, the, the image of Christ, that's when the image of Christ from his childhood, right? which really, if you think about it, you know, like, we're called to be children of God. We have the childlike will enter the kingdom of heaven. Like that is the true Christ. Hmm. And it's gone when he tramples, you know, mm -hmm. and it never comes back. Uh, and I think that is kind of indicative of like, he has severed the faith from his childhood mm -hmm. in this public act. Um, so, you know, it is like, it is an evil action, right? Stepping on the image of Christ, renouncing Christ is an evil action. Even if you want to like play logical games and say, well, you know, I was intending that Jesus is really great while I'm stepping on his face. You know, it's like, right. well, like... And everybody's watching you. And everybody's watching and, you. And, like, and, what and you, you remember how shocked they were at yeah. the beginning when they heard that Ferreira had apostatized. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. that was really impactful. Mm -hmm. um, and so, the, I mean, the idea that, um, that Rodriguez's apo um, apostasy would be something that is permissible 
Mm-hmm. It kind of flies in the face of that in ways. But it is hard to watch those peasants die. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, Garupe has a good way out in that, you know, by just <laughs> yeah. by in the moment yeah. knowing what to do. I and mean, I think yeah. a lot of life is in the moment knowing what to do. But in the moment knowing what to do. And um, and because I think also because he has accompanied them, mm-hmm. he's able to accompany them in this as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think also, like, again, like when we're discerning, like, God's will, a big thing is like, you know, it's not like just me and God. It's, you know, like Father Brainerd would always talk about, you know, his problems with certain things. And like one thing he would say was like, it's the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. You know, it's the church, you know, and like our connection to God is, is through our, our being in the body of Christ. And like, yeah, like our connection to Christ, you know, is the Catholic church, you mm-hmm. know, and if what I think Jesus is telling me goes directly against, you know, um, what not only right. is taught clearly in scripture, but also what the church teaches, then that's like a very obvious, like, oh, this is not, in fact, Jesus, <laughs> right. you know? Um, at least so for us, we have a very easy, like, oh, is this God or is this the devil? Oh, well, he's telling me to do something contrary to the teaching of the church. Well, that one, that must be the devil, that, that, <laughs> that, right. that sneaky guy trying to pull a fast one, you know? Like, that's clear. Um and I think it is, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's a situation no one wants to be in, you know. Um, but it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, my students always ask me like, okay, like someone hands you a gun and they say, I'm going to kill your family unless you shoot this person. You yeah. Know, or I'm going to kill do this evil thing to these innocent people if you don't do this evil thing. And it's like, well, it wasn't like, we have to remember, like, no, you have free will. You are choosing right. to do evil and you can't say I am causing you to torture these peasants. Right. You are freely choosing yeah. to torture these peasants. Right. You know, um, I mean, the way to defeat blackmail is, you know, to not succumb to it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, and then again, I think also like me doing something that puts my soul in jeopardy is not helping anyone in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's just the big thing. Like, God would never ask us to put our soul in jeopardy for 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 any reason whatsoever, you know. Um, and I think that's the big thing. Is like God would never ask us. God would never say, "Hey, you know, like I really love you, and I love this relationship I have with you, but like you should just stop talking to me and stop being with me, so this like other good thing can happen." Like that's mm. that's not Christ, you know? right? Like that's that's not the Gospels. So. Yeah. I think that's just a big thing. Well, just like kind of related to that, I mean, does that kind of change how we understand like Rodriguez's fault? Like, does he fail in understanding that God loves him enough to want to save him also? Mm. And to put himself as this idea of like, well, my soul can be sacrificed for theirs, which obviously he kind of comes to that conclusion that he's it is okay for him to fall because these other people will rise and failing to see that God loves him also Mm -hmm. and would like, does not want to sacrifice him for others. Mm. Interesting. Mm. I, I don't know the ins and outs of like, I mean, I understand like God would never ask us to do something that would put us in jeopardy. Yeah. Um, and that that is a really, like, that should be the way you look at, like, your prudential action. Mm-hmm. And in a situation like they find themselves in, prudential action is maybe not, like, 
possible right you might be outside of the realm of that well and i mean it's also that rodriguez through his previous um faults or you know lack of connection has put himself in a situation where he's trapped so it may be that the trap happens much earlier Mm -hmm. um and it's just it just sort of uncoils i mean thinking about endo as a as a writer and thinking about the novel as a kind of tragedy um i mean Mm -hmm. it seems like that the outcome is kind of inevitable after a certain point um, mm-hmm. And so it, it may be that that isn't the moment to trample or not to trample where he can still make a different choice. Mm-hmm. Like it's too late. Uh, the moment yeah. was earlier. I don't know. You might fight me on that, David. Um, not, from, not from a literary perspective. Not necessarily from a theological perspective either. I mean, I had a teacher who would always say, like, no one wakes up a murderer. You know, it's like you, you make a series of actions. And right. A series mm-hmm. of, of, like, there is an incrementalism in sin, you know, where, like, you know, yeah, I think, I think you know, it, there was, there is in a sense in which his apostasy was inevitable mm-hmm. because of, you know, his pride, his inability to know that, you know, God doesn't want, like, yeah, he almost, like, wants to be Christ, but he doesn't know how to be Christ. Right. You know, and that leads him to do, you know, like, ultimately, right, like, I mean, in a way, right, the equivalent would be, like, Christ denying the Father. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. To well, save us, right? Which is, yeah. the, which is, you know, in a sense, right? I mean, like that's Satan's temptation, you know? Right. Like, right. Well, I mean, it's also the, um, you know, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is like a kind of, you know, why are you silent? Why can't I hear you now? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, with different outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because one is, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then into your hands I commend my spirit. Right. Right. You know? There's <laughs> a second sentence. There's like a follow-up. Yeah. You got to remember yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Saint Thomas More calls that the destiny of choice. That when he's grappling with this idea of like, is man fated or does man choose? Mm. That eventually your choices become your fate. And mm-hmm. I mean, I I think in the novel and in the movie, like I think his apostasy is just so much farther mm-hmm. ahead. And yes, by mm-hmm. the time yeah. Ferreira comes in from the left, like the poor guy, you're just like, well, you're just sunk. Yeah. Like I would love for a miracle to happen. Right. To pull you out of this. Right. But, but it would have to be a real change. I mean, yes. yes it would have to be, like, yeah. I don't even know what it would be. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, by that point, he is so lost. Yeah. And he's so trapped in his own interpretation mm-hmm. of, of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Thomas More is a good counterexample to... Uh, Yes, you know, right? of like, the... Like, Thomas More refusing to take an oath, you know? And they're like, well, just sign the words, but don't intend don't it. Don't intend yeah. it. And... And I love, you know, that line from Man, uh, Man for All Seasons, when a man takes an oath, he takes his soul into his very hands like water, you know? And, and like, yeah, like, you know, oh, well, just step on it, but don't intend it. But it's like, but what you're making a public act of saying, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, at the, at, at the end of the day, you can't say, well, you know, I didn't really mean it. You know, like right, and it doesn't it doesn't help to yeah, do that, right? Yeah, like um, as a public so like again, it goes back to like it's a social thing. You know, like we're, we live in community with one another. Like our actions are communal. You know. Yeah. The last question I think is about Kijichiro, and thinking about him as I mean he's the figure of Judas, um, but he also can be a kind of cartoon uh, or a double of the figure of Rodriguez. I don't know if um, there's anything else that. You all want to say about Kijichiro as um, as we think about um, 
the necessity of Judas. We've talked a little bit about that. Uh, and then also just this character who is in ways almost comic, um, but is also, um, of course, you know, a very, very sad character. Oh, well, I, um, I, I like Kajitaro in a lot of ways. Um, just that I think, you know, he has this perseverance um, of trying to be forgiven that I think, you know, um, shows us in a way the proper disposition of the Christian to the fact that, you know, we sin, we're going to sin. Um, but there's always a t time to find forgiveness, you know, mm -hmm. like there's never a point in which like God will not forgive us if we ask him, you know, like, um, Pope Francis has this great line where he says, uh, God does not tire of forgiving us. We tire of asking him to forgive us. And mm -hmm. Kichichiro is kind of like a great image of like, you know, yeah, he's terrible. He's horrible. You know, <laughs> he's an awful human being, but he's like, you know, I am going to keep on asking for forgiveness. And, um, right. maybe there's some presumption there, but I don't really see it because there seems to be real, a real struggle with like, he knows he's not supposed to do what he does. Yeah. He does it. And he's like, man, like maybe, maybe one time, maybe this, maybe this confession will work and I'll actually change. And like, yeah. he doesn't. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to keep going. And well, you know, and then at like, the end he has the amulet. Right. I mean, that shows too that, um, and, and he didn't like, it didn't have material value. It wasn't something that was, um, that he would have for any other reason, mm -hmm. um, other than that he had it. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's that idea too, that he's, um, that there is something genuine in his connection. Yeah. Yeah. And he just keeps on going back. And I think it's just, you know, in a sense, he's a model for us that like, no matter how often we sin, the right answer is not Rodriguez to just keep trampling, but the right answer is Kachichiro to, to keep, keep asking, to keep asking yeah. for forgiveness. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. That's good. I mean, that's a, that's a, a, a nice parallel because I mean, you think about the perpetual actions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, I mean, it's um, Rodriguez and Ferreira who have to keep on, um, you know, re-upping their apostasy. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> oh, time for me to get my apostasy renewed. Yeah. Uh, um, so they have, to, they have to keep on going back. Yeah. Um, and whereas, and so they do it again, right? And uh, then you have Kichichiro who, uh, who keeps on betraying, but he also keeps on asking for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks very much. I think this has been a really Thank good you. conversation. Is there anything else that you want to add, actually, before I close? Nope. Well, I would like to thank David for being so insistent about how good this movie was, that he <laughs> convinced me to read the book and then watch the movie, um, because I have I thoroughly enjoyed like this book and thinking about it and watching the movie. I've never watched a movie that didn't have a soundtrack before. It was... <laughs> Totally freaky, but There's some crickets. so cool. There crickets. Well, oh, but it's all natural too. sounds. There's no oh. music until he comes in as on the donkey with his Jesus hair. Yeah. There's no music. It's all just the natural sounds. Huh. It's amazing. Um, so, like, thank you, David, for being so oh. persistent. For being the little chichichiro. Of, like, <laughs> getting this done. Oh, wow. Like, I don't know how to take that. <laughs> vaguely insultingly, it's fine. There you go. But thank you both for coming. Thank you, Sherry, for having us. Yeah, thanks for hosting the podcast. So this has been the Brookwood Life of the Mind podcast. I am Sherry Walsh. Our music is by Fabian Tell, and our producer is Quentin Walsh. Opinions expressed are the participants' own.